Hello everyone and to all Hog fans out there, welcome to the very first episode of Views from the Hill podcast. I'm your host Peyton White and in this podcast we'll be bringing all Hog fans in-depth information related to the greatest collegiate athletic program in the country. We all know it, I know it, you know it. We'll be bringing you information, previewing and recapping weekly matchups, recruiting updates, NIL news, and updates on professional hogs across whatever professional sport you may follow. Now, like most of you out there, I've mastered the art of looking productive at work when in reality I'm probably looking at hog sports or counting down the days until hog football starts. With that being said, the college football season for 2022-2023 is less than 10 days away, and your Arkansas Razorbacks are preseason ranked for the first time since 2015. You know, from now, dating back to 2015, we've been through some rough times. You know, at this point, three to four years ago, we were talking about who's going to be our quarterback with either Nick Stark or Ben Hicks. And now look where we are now. You know, coming off a nine-win season, the first one since 2015, an out bowl win against Penn State. Pittman's got these boys ready to roll for year three, and the Hogs got high expectations for this season. And I can't wait to break it down for y'all. The Hogs return experience at, I think, four of the most important positions or position groups on the field. Uh, quarterback, it's the first time we've had a returning starter at quarterback since, I believe, Austin Allen. The offensive line group, bumper pool linebacker, and Jalen Catalan at safety. In this episode, we'll be talking about my prediction for the 2022-2023 season, win-loss, uh, record for the season, uh, what bowl game we'll be slated to, the floor for the season, the ceiling for the season, and what X factors are going to get us there. With that being said, let's break it down. Cincinnati Bearcats come to Fayetteville week one. For this matchup in particular, I'm just going to overview it at a high level. Um, since the matchup is so close, in the next episode we'll get more in-depth in, into the Cincy breakdown. But all in all, everyone knows how good Cincinnati is or how good they have been. They haven't lost a regular season game since the pandemic. They were a college football playoff team last year, lost 27-6 to against Alabama. Um, Luke Fick was a great coach, and he's going to have his team as ready to go as possible. Um, but that college football playoff team last year lost a lot of guys. They lost 11 players to the NFL. Nine were drafted, two were signed as undrafted free agents. And of those 11 guys, they lost their starting quarterback, running back, wide receiver, defensive end, D-tackle, both starting linebackers, and both starting corners. I don't care who you are, that's a ton of experience to lose on both sides of the ball, especially at quarterback, which is going to be big in this game because Cincinnati and Luke Fickle is not yet named a starter. And overall, I think that's going to come back to bite them. Um, the environment's going to be too much for them. I think the hogs are going to be too physical for them. I believe Rocket Sanders gets in the end zone twice. Eight different Ragebats catch a pass. Hawks force one to two turnovers and win by two scores. I got this one at 34 to 14. Hawks are at 1 and 0 on the season and cover the spread and pick up a top 25 win to start the year. Game two, first 11 a.m. matchup of the year. We got South Carolina. Now Shane Beamer's a good guy. I, I, I wish the best for Shane. However, I hope we beat them by 40 in this game, and I really am not a fan of who they got at quarterback. Spencer Rattler at this point last year was being talked about as the number one pick in the 2022 NFL draft, and things changed. Um, I, th- I think his lack of experience against hostile and, or in hostile environments will come back to bite him in this one. As his first year as a starter in 2020, you know, there were limited capacities due to COVID-19 and everything, and his heart, his toughest road game was at Iowa State. He played awful. They lost. It was the same night that the Hogs picked up our first SEC win under Pittman at Mississippi State. Fast forward 2021, Rattler's still the starter. They played four straight, I believe, four straight home games start the season, and one of those almost lost to Tulane. Then the fifth game of the year is the Red River rivalry, and they play Texas in a highly anticipated matchup, probably the most hostile environment Rattler played in. Didn't even make it till halftime before he was benched for Caleb Williams, who we all know now. 
That being said, him coming to the SEC, a harder conference, on the road for his first SEC game in an environment like Fayetteville, I believe he's going to struggle. Barry Odom makes life hard on on quarterbacks who are seeing his defense for the first time. And if we can provide a pass rush by any means, uh, Spencer's going to turn the ball over some. And I'm not sold on South Carolina defense. They're in the East. Uh, People were able to do what they wanted to on the ground against them last year. And people most certainly couldn't stop us when we wanted to run the football last year. So I got the Hogs winning this one, 30-21. Hogs score late to kind of seal the game. I see KJ running one in uh, from quarterback power. Hogs move to 2-0 and and 1-0 in SEC play. Hopefully, we're probably top 15 at this point. All right, game three. There's a familiar face that returns to town that Hog fans know all too well as Bob Petrino. The first time he will be back in Fayetteville in about 10 years since he was fired from the Razorbacks heading into the 2012-2013 season. Petrino was loved by Hog fans at one point. Took us to highs that we hadn't been to in a while. Top three team in the country, Sugar Bowl appearance. Cotton Bowl victories. I mean, he was loved. Um, but Hog fans hate him, to say the least. I'm not even going to try to paint it lightly for anyone. Hogs are going to roll in this one. We're going to hang 50 on them. When 55 to 10 is what I got it at. Hogs are 3 0, heading into Texas A&M. Game four, Hogs snapped a nine game losing streak against the Aggies last year and moved to 4 0 in the 2021 season. A lot of people believe that the Hogs are going to you know, drop this one just because of all the hype A&M gets every year, and especially after signing the the nation's number one recruiting class and the, the, the best recruiting class in college football history with all the five stars they signed. However, I believe Arkansas is going to be more battle-tested than the Aggies playing South Carolina and Cincinnati before we face off in Dallas. Um, the Hogs bring experience to the table um, that the Aggies don't have. The Aggies lost their quarterback from last season. Both defensive ends, I believe they're starting left tackle and running back as well. I mean, it's a lot of experience. Um, they currently have a quarterback battle going on between Haynes Keene, who was supposed to start the season last year, and LSU transfer Max Johnson. Neither guy's or guys I've scared, I'm scared of. Only two players I'm worried about are players that the Hawks faced off against last year, Anaya Smith and A-Chain, Devin A-Chain, excuse me. Um, the Aggies don't have a lot of experience coming back on either side of the ball. Um, because of that massive recruiting class they got, they did not go to the transfer portal, unlike a lot of college football teams did. And this isn't like college basketball, like a, a Duke or you know, Kentucky, you can't just run out primary for, or a team full of freshmen and have success early on and throughout the season. I think we're catching A&M at a right time. I think they will be good later in the year. However, fourth game of the season, for how many freshmen they're going to play, I don't see everything clicking just yet. Um, what was big for the Hogs in 2021 is – our pass rush. I mean, it was probably the best our defensive line played all season. We lived in the backfield. There wasn't a guy on that team that could block Trey Williams. Uh, he made life hard on Zach Calzada, and you know, Zach Calzada turned the ball over one time, but you know, he threw the ball out of bounds a, a number of times. They couldn't really get the ball moving. Um, you know, even though we didn't really move the ball on them in the second half, we didn't have to. Our defense played so well. This game's going to be close. You know what it is every year. I believe at one point of the of the nine-game losing streak, we lost, I believe, three to four times in overtime. And other than that, it was it, it was the game was decided by seven seven points or less. Um, if the Hogs can get ahead early, limit big plays, and put pressure on the quarterback, then all is going to go right for us. I don't see us losing. It's going to be close. I know that. I got the Hogs winning by field goal, unlike most. 27-24. Hogs be 4-0 in the season. Most likely in the top 10. 2-0 in conference play. Heading into the game of all games. Against Alabama at home. Alright, game 5. Boy, I can see it now. College game day finally heads to the hill. 
for the first time since 2007 for a top 10 matchup between Alabama Crimson Tide and your Arkansas Razorbacks. The Hogs open up 4-0 and in the season, already 2-0 and in conference play. I don't see how we can't be college game day. I mean, we've thought that before, and ESPN has tend to show us otherwise plenty of times, but this could also be the year that the Hogs finally get it done and beat the tie for the first time since, I believe, 2006 or 2007. It's been a long, long time, and we've had plenty of chances to beat them. And we had opportuni- opportunity to last year. We stood toe-to-toe with the Tide in Tuscaloosa, only lost 42-35, to but I mean, this team didn't back down from the Tide. Um, KJ stood, stood in there toe-to-toe with Bryce Young, threw 334 yards, I believe, and three touchdowns, and Trail on Bur- Burks had a great game. Both teams lose their number one targets um, at wide receiver. Jameson Williams for the Tide was drafted in the first round of this year's NFL draft, along with Trail on Burks being drafted in the first round as well by the Tennessee Titans. The Tide also lost John Mechie um, to the Houston Texans in the NFL draft. Both teams went to the transfer portal, got some solid recruits. Um, you know, some people are looking at this game as possibly a trap game for Alabama. I know people say that probably all the time about Alabama or, you know, whatever it may be. But I believe that this is a trap game for Alabama because they play Texas A&M the week after us in Tuscaloosa. You know, throw together all the Jimbo and Nick Saban beef. I mean, this does have the real opportunity to be a trap game. For the Tide, you know, I think this one's going to be really close. God, the fans are going to be there. It's going to be probably the wildest environment that we've been a part of in quite some time. I already know tickets are going for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And if the Hogs are 4-0, by the time we get there, no telling how expensive they're going to be. So get your tickets now because you're going to be paying an arm and a leg to, to go to this game. However, I'm just going to be real with this one. Hogs aren't ending the streak. Um... There's no trap game with Nick Saban. And I believe Nick Saban's going to remember how close it was with Arkansas and how we almost shot the country last year. And they're not going to overlook us. And especially they're not going to overlook us if we're 4-0 with the resume that we have going into that matchup. But, you know, I think the Hawks are going to make it close. However, the Hawks are going to lose 37-27 to to Alabama and lose our first game of the season, fall to 4-1, and two and one in conference play. Then Hawks travel to Starkville, Mississippi, aka the worst place on the planet. I don't know who would ever choose to live there. And if Brandon Walker ever hears this, you suck. Nobody likes you. Nobody likes Mississippi State. I mean, just delete your Twitter. You do us all a favor. Anyway, um, past two matchups between the Hogs and Mississippi State have been thrillers. However, we're 2-0 against them. Sam Pittman picked up his first SEC win as a head coach in 2020 at Mississippi State. And then last year, the Hogs were fully in control in the first half. Um, Almost let things slip away from us in the second half. And thank the Lord for a couple of shanked field goals we got out of there with a win. And became eligible. Um, There's another matchup here where both squads return a quarterback from last season. Mississippi State returns Will Rogers, and as we all know, Mississippi State runs the air raid. They're going to throw the ball at least 40 to 50 times a game. I mean, just to put it into perspective, Rogers attempted 683 passes last season. He completed 505 of them for 74% of a completion, completion percentage, which is pretty wild. Threw for 37 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Um, they're also an experienced group. Um, they're they're, they're going to be experienced on both sides of the ball. We had a lot of our success running against, running the football against Mississippi State last season, and we'll probably look to do the same this season. For the most part, last year we did a good job of defending the air raid until the second half, and it's it's known that if you can't get pressure against an air raid offense, and especially bring a three man front like we like to do, oh lord! I mean, they're going to sit back there with all day to throw and that causes your defenders to get tired because then no matter if you're running man or zone, 
you still got to cover guys in your area. And if the quarterback's not having to run around or have to think about anyone hitting him, he could sit back there all day. I mean, bringing three defensive linemen against five offensive linemen, I mean, hopefully you get through at some point, but if you don't, you're asking your defenders to cover receivers for, you know, four to five seconds, maybe maybe even longer, and that just presents matchup problems all over the all over the place. Then if they go tempo, we'll also have issues. Um, we have to get pressure on the quarterback to win this game. Absolutely have to. We have the secondary to defend. I believe anybody in the country. But it's our D-line is what's going to have to prove prove something to us. Um, this is the first true road game for the Racebacks. And this team isn't like last year's team. I believe this team is better. However, we remember how the first road game went for us last year. It didn't go well. I mean, oof. 37 nothing on college game day. It's not the way we want to break that college game day streak. Anyway, um, this game is going to be a dogfight. And probably come down to the wire. However, due to it being our first road game, due to it coming after playing against Alabama, A&M, South Carolina, and Cincinnati. I think the Hawks are, you know, we're beat up. We're tired. I think we're dropping this one. Can't believe I'm saying it, but Hawks dropped two straight, lose to Mississippi State 34-31, to dropped to 4-2 and two on the season and 2-2 two and two in SEC play. All right, game seven. After dropping two straight, unfortunately, the Hogs are heading out west uh, to face one of our probably biggest non-conference road matchups in program history. I don't know when the last time it was that we played BYU or even if we played them before, but both teams are going to be battle-tested. Uh, they will have also played three ranked opponents before they face the Razorbacks, so they will have played Baylor, Oregon, and Notre Dame. BYU's independent, so they can, they can make their own schedule similar to Notre Dame. And, you know, the Hogs will have played three ranked opponents as well in Alabama, Texas A&M, and Cincinnati. Um, similar to the Hogs, uh, BYU likes to establish the run before they do anything else. Their running back last year, Tyler Alliger, who is now a part of the Atlanta Falcons, ran for 1,600 yards, 23 touchdowns, and averaged 123 yards per game rushing. I don't care who you are, what team you play on, those are pretty good numbers. Um, however, they similar to the Hogs, they went to the transfer portal to replace some needs at key positions, and one of those being running back. And their most notable transfer, his name is Christopher Brooks out of Cal Berkeley. He ran for 607 yards last season and four touchdowns. Um, while surprising to me, a lot of Hog fans are counting the Hogs out in this one. I got the Hogs running wild in Salt Lake City. We're not going to be phased by the time change, altitude, atmosphere, or religion, whatever they want to bring to the table. We're going to be the most physical team they play. I got the Hogs win this one by double digits, 31-20. to 20, Get back in the winning column at 5-2. and two. Next, Hogs go to Auburn. The, the third game of our three-game uh, road trip. As the Hogs look to snap a losing streak against Auburn that um, most Hog fans don't know about. We haven't beat Auburn since 2015. Sure, you can say what you want to about 2020, but at the end of the day, we lost the game. This would be the first time we returned to Auburn after being robbed in 2020. Um, Auburn played arguably their best football of the 2021 season last year when they came to Fayetteville. Um, beat the Hogs single-handedly. I believe the score was 31-20 to after the Hogs. That was our, the Hogs' third straight loss. Drops out of the top 25. Brian Harson's on the hot seat this year. Um, in the offseason, he was rumored to want out of Auburn after one season when the Washington job opened up. For those who don't know, he came from Boise State. He's up from around that area. Um, I haven't heard good things about Harson and how he likes to run things in Auburn. And um, There's been a bunch of different rumors about him. I think he's on the hot seat. This could be his last season. Um, however, taking snaps for Auburn is either going to be Zach Calzada, who the Hogs faced, when he played for Texas A&M in 2021, or T.J. Finley. I think it's going to be Zach Calzada. For some reason, the guy's already got Heisman odds, probably just because he beat Alabama last year. Um, I mean, the last time we even blew out Auburn, I think, was 2011. Uh, back, it was one year after their national championship run. They came to Fayetteville. Hogs run them, I think, 31-14. to 14. All in all, um, it's another... Losing streak that I hope the Razorbacks can snap this season. 
Um, we need to end this road trip on a high note heading into the bye week and much needed bye week. Um, this game's going to be sloppy. I see it being similar to the LSU game last year where uh, there won a lot of offense being generated, a very, very low-scoring game. It's going to be a dog fight. We're not going to be able to establish the run on Auburn like we normally do. We, we rarely are able to. Um, however, the Hawks going to win in overtime this one. This, this is going to be an ugly game. It's going to be sloppy. It'll probably be raining knowing our luck. But we pull it out late. Hogs win 17-10 to 10 in overtime, move to 6-2 and two and 4-2. and two. No, 3-2 and two in SEC play. All right, Hogs are sitting at 6-2, and two, already bowl eligible, heading into a much-needed bye week. I mean, a bye week, nine weeks in the season is – Probably going to see some injuries. A lot of guys going to be beat up. We're going to be—I mean, we're going to need it. Um, however, we got three straight home games and then one final road game to end the season following the bye week. And week ten, we got Liberty, the Flames. Uh, another familiar face comes back to Fayetteville. Hugh Freeze comes back to Fayetteville for the first time since 2015, when the Hogs, Santos Ramirez in general, forced a Chad Kelly fumble on the Rebels' final possession to seal a 34-31 victory for the Razorbacks. Liberty's no slouch of a program. They're also independent. Um, their best player from last year, Malik Willis, was drafted by the Tennessee Titans and is now teaming up with Traylon Burks, who was drafted by the Tennessee Titans last season. Um, the Flames are going to have a quarterback battle. They have former Baylor Bear and Utah Ute Charlie Brewer or former Tennessee volunteer Caden Salter at quarterback. Salter was recruited by the Razorbacks to play the same position as well. I don't believe this matters um, because the Hogs coming off bye week. I think we will start slow. I see the score being probably thirteen to ten at halftime. People probably tweeting that we need need to fire Sam, knowing half the delusional Hog fans. But we'll roll in the second half. Hogs win this one, forty five seventeen. Move to seven two on the season. Next game, week eleven. LSU comes to town. Um, this game's always a good one, and especially with their new coach, former Notre Dame Irish, fighting Irish coach, Brian Kelly, will be controlling things in Baton Rouge this year, and it's going to be interesting. He had a, a lot of buzz in the off season. you know, got introduced to the LSU Tiger basketball game, faked a southern accent, um, yelled at the media and the first fall camp press conference, and I don't know, just an interesting guy. I don't think he'll either be around a long time in Baton Rouge or he won't be there for very long. However, uh, Miles Brennan recently just left the team after not winning the starting quarterback job. Uh, the Tigers now will have Arizona State quarterback, former Arizona State quarterback, Jaden Daniels, taking snaps. He's a dual-threat quarterback. He can do a lot with his legs. He can throw the ball well. It's going to be interesting to see what Brian Kelly can do for him. Um, LSU also return, returns a top wideout. And Keyshawn Butte, who who he missed a lot, most of last year with an injury, a lot of people considered him and Traylon Burks and Jamison Williams to be some of the top receivers in the SEC. Um, this game was sloppy last year. Hawks pulled out in overtime, 13-10 in overtime. After Cam Little nailed a game-winning field goal in overtime, and we sent uh, Ed Orger on packing. And, you know, this season might as well just be it. You know, a season-long homecoming for familiar faces. I mean, you start out with uh, Bobby Petrino, you go to Hugh Freeze, then we get to the LSU game, and uh, two starters off last year's defense roll back into town. Greg Brooks and Joe Fouché, who were both starting defensive backs for the Razorbacks last year, transferred to LSU following the Hogs' outback bowl win over Penn State. Um this, this game's going to be interesting. The LSU always gets slated to play Alabama the week before us, and they get Alabama in Baton Rouge, um, where Brian Kelly, I believe, is going to pull out all the stops, try to beat Nick Saban. Nick Saban has had his way with Brian Kelly when he used to coach the Irish every time they played each other. Dating back to when, I believe in 2012, uh, the national championship game, Alabama might have won by 40. They played each other in the 2020 college football playoff in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, and Alabama had their way with the Irish again. And this is going to be another close one. Uh, Tigers are will either roll into Fayetteville as one of two things. I think they'll either be one of the nation's hottest teams or underperforming group that 
has Tiger fans wanting Kelly out of there already. Um, only time's going to tell. I think it's a toss-up, in my opinion, like it is every year. Um, the Hogs found a way to win last year that trail on Burks. I believe we can do it again this year. Hogs going to win by four. Probably won't cover a spread. Hogs win 27-23, move to 8-2, and two, and I believe it would be 4-2 and two in SEC play. Next, we got Ole Miss. And our, all Arkansas fans know this is a game we wish we could have back. After the Hogs lost 51-52 to in Oxford last year after failing a two-point conversion, um, I believe we're looking for vengeance this season. Uh, the Rebels had a lot of things go their way last year. It's probably one of the only matchups you'll ever see where the losing team outgained the winning team in a, in a game where 103 points were scored. Um, you know, in this offseason, the media actually – disregard this last offseason. Everyone loves Lane Kiffin for some reason. I don't get it. Um, all the media outlets love him. They adore him. And, you know, they named him, in quotes, the Portal King after he after he brought in some big-name transfers from the portal with two of the biggest names being Jackson Dart uh, from USC and Zach Evans from TCU. Zach Evans was once the, the nation's highest-rated running back when he was coming out of high school. Signed with Georgia was such a head case in high school, he actually fought his head coach in a fist fight, got his national letter of intent pulled, commits to AM, gets into more trouble, decommits, plays for TCU last season. He did pretty well, put up some solid numbers. Um, however, decided I believe he got hurt or something, cut his season short. Um, but after word broke that Zach Evans was headed to Oxford, the uh, Ole Miss lost two running backs to the NFL and another one to the portal. And, yeah, I mean, Zach Evans is probably going to get the ball out this year, and he's going to make some plays. You know, Ole Miss had had success running the football on people last year. I believe that will be the same this year. As Zach Evans better is better than any running back they had last year. This will probably be the only year he's there, and then he'll probably be NFL bound. Uh, Jackson Dart was a former five-star heading into USC. Um, and many think he's going to be Matt Corral's replacement or even better than – uh, the third-round NFL draft pick. Um, however, Dart struggled uh, in the in the Rebels' spring game and has left a lot of people questioning if he's even going to be a starter. And now there's a quarterback battle in Oxford that not many people knew about. Um, Kiffin has yet to name a starter as um, Dart and sophomore Luke Altemeyer are alternating reps at starting quarterback. And um, as for Arkansas. Cajun had his best game of the season against the Rebels last last year. Counted for six touchdowns against the Rebels. Um, believe he ran for three and threw for three as well, and I don't see that changing. Um, Rocket also allowed to career high against the Rebels last year, running for a season high in yards. And this is going to be a high-scoring one, but I believe we roll the Rebels. It'll be close throughout the game. We're going to score a couple touchdowns late, probably cover the spread. I think he'll win by two touchdowns, and we send the Rebels packing back to Oxford. The Hogs will then move to 9-2, and two, I believe 5-2 and two in SEC play. All right, the final game of the season. We ended against this crappy team from Missouri. Week 13, Hogs travel to Columbia. Man, I'm not going to lie, I'm sure – most can agree with me. It felt good putting Mizzou in their place last year. I mean, I don't see signs of that changing. I mean, do y'all? I mean, let's be honest. Arkansas's better athletic program, school, and everything else you could possibly imagine. It's hard to believe that Chad Morris and Brett Bielma allowed us to even lose to that school or even be on the same daggum football field as them. They've legitimately only been the better team than us maybe three times. I mean, hell, Jack Lindsay almost beat them when – about half the Arkansas team had the chicken pox. I mean, all in all, drinks on the hot seat, Roundtree's gone, Blazat just hit the portal, and they don't know who the starting quarterback's going to be. Sounds right on line for Mizzou. We're going to end the season with a statement W against Drinkowitz, send them packing right back to the Sun Belt where, where he belongs, and that stupid visor he wears. Hogs win 38-13, move to 10-2 and on the season. With that being said, Hogs in the season 10 and 2. 
that would put us in the bowl project or that projects us to play in the bowl game of, of the Sugar Bowl. That is the SEC's best team not in the college football playoff against the Big 12. And I think the Razorbacks will be playing the Oklahoma Sooners. That'll be a nice little nice little matchup before they join the SEC. We'll kind of get to see what we'll, we'll be playing against for the next few years. However, my ceiling for the season, Hawks are very, could very well be 11-1. and one. Pull, pull a W out against Bama or pull a W out against Mississippi State. Who knows? Hawks could be 11-1, and one, and that could put us in the playoff. On the flip side, I could also see it being the most Arkansas thing ever to go 6-6. Six and six. This is not an easy schedule by any means. Hogs going to have tough, tough games all across the board. I mean, the only cupcakes, Missouri State, and after that, sure, Missouri or Missouri's a, could be considered a cupcake. Liberty's considered a cupcake, but, I mean, still, they're both, I mean, decently good football teams. I mean, there's no slouches. Um, however, I see what is going to happen for the Razorbacks in this season will be a 10-2 and finish with some big-time wins, propelling our program to national recognition where I believe it should be. And Hogs head to the Sugar Bowl, head to New Orleans, and I hope to see every single one of y'all down there. So the Hogs are going to finish 10-2. and With that being said, there will be five different X factors, whether it be players or position groups, are going to help us get there. And the number one X factor determinant will be our defensive line. And any pass rush they can generate or disrupt in the backfield. And I think that's something that all of us knew. You know, Arkansas's had good defenses over the years, good, decent, whatever it may be. However, consistent pass rush and disrupting the backfield at all has not been a strong suit of ours uh, due to mediocre line play. I mean, we haven't finished in the top half of the SEC in sacks since 2013 or tackles for loss since 2010. And what's crazy is that in that time frame, the Razorbacks have had 10 defensive linemen drafted. It's probably defensive line. I mean, we have more defensive linemen in the NFL right now than we probably do any other position or just defensive players in general. However, the Hogs have benefited from having um, solid interior presence in Sam Pittman's tenure while he's been the head coach for the Razorbacks. In 2020, we had Jonathan Marshall, who now plays for the New York Jets. In 2021, we had John Ridgway, who's now with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, And that'll be interesting to see this season because the Hogs are essentially replacing the entire defensive line from last year. And after an unfortunate injury to Torian Carter, we'll have him at some point later in the season, but we won't have him to start the season. We're going to have to run a lot of three-man fronts. Um, Hogs currently have 20 defensive linemen on the roster, including walk-ons. However, there's uh, a decent amount of names to watch at the defensive tackle and defensive end position. And first, we'll start with D tackle. Um, a lot of good things are being said at the conclusion of fall camp about um, El Dorado native and former Arkansas State Red Wolf Terry Hampton. You can expect him, Eric Gregory, Isaiah Nichols, Cam- Cameron Ball, Nico Dalver, and when Tor- Torian Carter comes back, um, to be the guys that mainly you know, rotate in at defensive tackle. Um, for the de- for the defensive ends, the rotation will be Deshaun Stewart, Zach Williams, Landon Jackson, Jordan Dominique, Dorian Gerald, and Eric Thomas. Also expect a lot of Drew Sanders uh, action when blitzing off the edge. Go- going more in depth with the defensive tackles, um, Isaiah Nichols and Eric Gregory are going to be the two guys that come back with the most experience for us. Um, that had played for the Razorbacks prior to our, or prior to this season. Now, Terry Hampton uh, was a four-year player at Arkansas State, and then Torian Carter has, has played a decent amount of snaps for the Razorbacks as well. However, with Torian Carter getting injured, Cam Ball's going to have to step up. Um, he's got all the size. at 6'3", I believe, 300, 305 pounds. He's got a lot of size to him. He can do some damage in the middle. He's got a lot of, a lot of potential, too. Pittman has also been extremely high on Nico Dalver, who's a freshman from Maumelle, Arkansas, and including in uh, in the one of their scrimmage, his press conferences, he said, in quotes, there's not going to be a red shirt there. Um, Dalver was all, will also see action when the Hogs 
roll to a 3-2-6 scheme at defensive end, and he'll rotate in at defensive tackle when we run a 4-2-5. Eric Gregory will also be flexed to left defensive end when the Razorbacks go to a three-man front, and Isaiah will head up the nose when that happens as well. Terry Hampton is listed as a starter right now. However, he had the most praise about him coming out of fall camp, so he's probably going to play just as many reps as the starters, if not more. Um, but next, we can go go into the defensive ends. The, the Razorbacks got more transfers at the defensive end spot than we did the defensive tackle spot with Landon Jackson from LSU and Jordan Dominic from Georgia Tech. However, the biggest surprise out of camp was Deshaun Stewart. Um, that man was all over the place, according to a lot of the coaches, making a lot of plays and definitely solidified his, his spot as a starting defensive end. Um, I believe Zach Williams has a lot of potential uh, to do some damage this season. He's been with the program four years. He's had four different defensive line coaches. He's up 20 pounds from last season. He's a very athletic, twitchy guy. He's got a lot of length, which is great for defensive ends. Um, he's going to be the right defensive end regardless of the scheme that's being ran under Barry Odom, whether it be a 4-2-5 or a 3-2-6. He's always going to be our right defensive end, so he'll be going up against the left tackles and going at the quarterback's blind side. Landon Jackson, who you know, 6'7", 275 pounds, looks like an absolute freak. Um, he's been in, He was injured through the spring, finally started to blossom late in fall camp um, after being ratched up against Dalt Wagner a lot and got the best of him a few times. Um, Pittman also has added in that in their latest scrimmage that Landon Jackson was around the quarterback all day, probably had the most sacks in their, in their last scrimmage. Um, I mean, Landon Jackson's only a sophomore. He's got a lot of potential. I believe he was a former five-star at one point. Um, so a lot of schools have looked at him at one point. He was very sought after in the portal. And I think if he doesn't hit this year, he's going to have the opportunity to learn from some from some guys on that defensive line, and he'll really be suited for success in the coming years. Um, however, Jordan Dominic from Georgia Tech uh, had a little bit slower of a start. Um he wasn't really getting in grasp of the of the concepts well defensively. Um, was kind of losing himself in the depth chart. However, as of late, he started to pick up some momentum with himself, and um, it's drawn the praise of Sam Pittman, who, in the last uh, press conference after the most latest scrimmage, said, "End quote." I tell you, who made a, a lot of couple good plays today was Jordan Dominic. He's got great speed, great footwork. He's come a long way in two weeks. That rounds out um, the defensive end group. And like I said earlier, we all know that the defensive line is the biggest question mark to this Arkansas team as no one outside the facility is going to know who's going to step up for us or how effective they can be. I mean, we have experience at every other position on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to starters. Um, I'm telling you right now, if the Hogs can have a couple guys step up, and be contributors on the defensive line, be able to generate a pass rush, plug some holes, uh, just make things uneasy for quarterbacks and running backs, we're going to be a scary good team because we got returners at every other position. And that takes us to our next X factor, and that'll be the third, the, the, whoever steps up as a third line linebacker, um, and who I believe will be Chris Paul, who everyone calls Pooh. And no, this isn't CP3, who's point guard of the Phoenix Suns. Um, you know, we're faced with a tall task. We replace, I mean, we have to replace Grant Morgan and Hayden Henry last year. Both those dudes were some dogs, man. They had 100 tackles each last season. Um, you know, we return Bumper Pool and Drew Sanders, but, you know, who's going to be that third linebacker spot? In my opinion, it's Pooh. Pooh Paul's going to step up for us. Um, and any Barry Odom's defensive scheme, consistent linebacker play is a must. And we've had that over the last few years but we've been able to to rotate three linebackers, you know, with uh, mainly, I mean, the past two seasons, we've mainly had Grant Morgan and Bumper Pool and Hayden Henry, with Hayden Henry really stepping up last year. But our linebackers were a very, very vital part of our defense last season, and they're going to have to be this year. Um, I mean, we're extremely thin at linebacker depth. I mean, Paul was probably – one of the more experienced linebackers on the team, and he's only in his second season. He saw action in four games last year. Um, 
However, you know, the youngster was able to learn behind Grant Morgan and Bumper Poole last year, along with Hayden Henry. And he himself believes he's made great strides from last year. He's got all the physical tools. He's 6'1", 232 pounds, very rangy, uh, very fast-twitched, very athletic guy. Um, I mean, he, he fits the SEC mold as a linebacker. Um, <clears throat> however, our linebacker coach, Michael Schreyer, believes the, the key to unlocking his potential is getting him mentally ready for the season. Um, he believes he's got a really high ceiling, and he's got to continue to mature with his new loaded role he's expected to take on. And if Pooh can step up as the third linebacker for the Razorbacks, he could elevate our defense that much more, um, as we've seen how pivotal it is to have three solid linebackers in a Barry Odom defensive scheme. Transition to the other side of the football um, for our third X factor, which really might not be an X factor anymore, is the play of Matt Landers, Jaden Hazelwood, and Warren Thompson. After losing Traylon Burks last year, a lot of Hog fans are kind of looking around, be like, you know, who who who's going to step up? And also, the our second leading receiver, Tyson Morris, was a senior and graduated. Um, however, you know what what was a question mark in our wide receiver room, wide receiver room might might now be uh, a big strength to the offense. Is no longer a question mark. Um, you know, Warren Thompson played significant snaps for Arkansas in twenty twenty one, but all three of these guys. Hazelwood, Landers, and Warren Thompson. They didn't start at Arkansas. Um, all three have transferred in, and throughout fall camp, they've drawn lots of plays for their playmaking ability and especially their leadership. Um, you know, following scrimmages and practices from Pittman and other players, um, I mean, they all have a lot of playmaking ability, and they, they, uh, the the vocal leader of the group is Hazelwood. Um, ha- Hazelwood was he's an Oklahoma transfer. Most know him. Um, we mainly were able to get him due to his relationship with our running back coach Jimmy Smith. Um, Jalen Catalan has given Hazelwood a lot of praise about how vocal of a leader he's been. And w- while Hazelwood wasn't very vocal and that much of a leader in the spring, you know it's you know he, he's around a bunch of new faces and um, that could be hard for guys at times. But I think the play. The elevated play of Matt Landers and Thompson has elevated Hazelwood that much more. That means we got some competitors in that room, and I'm all about that. Um, another great thing about this group is they're all six three and up. Um, KJ Jefferson has given a lot of praise to Hazelwood. Is he's in quotes a great feed the ball guy. If you give him a chance, he's going to make a play. Um, being able to use him in certain situations where he can stretch the ball down the field, and just being able to give him a catchable ball. He's going to make a lot of plays for us, end quote. Um, what I like about Hazelwood is I think he's the full package. He's got a lot of ways to get open off the line of scrimmage. He welcomes man-to-man press coverage. There's a lot of guys shy away from it. He's a, he's a physical guy. I mean, if a DB wants to press up on him, hell, he could bull rush him. Um, but he's got he's got great footwork. Um, I'd compare him in the NFL if he had a player comp to Keenan Allen. He's got the ability to go up and make plays on 50-50 balls. Um, he's going to be our starting slot receiver. And a starting slot receiver that big, that physical, it's going to be a good thing to have. And the next guy we're going to talk about, not many people, including myself, even knew he was a Razorback until about a month ago. Um, Matt Landers, who we're talking about here, he's 6'5", got some serious speed. Um, Began his career at Georgia. He was a Bulldog for three years. Actually caught a couple passes against the Razorbacks in 2020. Um... However, it didn't work out, transferred to Toledo, even though he's in the MAC and only caught 20 passes for five touchdowns, dude averaged 25 yards a catch. That means he was making some big plays whenever he did get the ball. Um, Kendall Browse has been a big fan about how quickly Landers has learned the offense and he's really solidified himself as um, one of the starting wideouts in a short time at Arkansas. Um, one thing Browse said about Landers that I love is that, in quotes, he believes he needs to get the ball every single play. I'm about that. I mean, this guy wants the ball. He doesn't care who's in front of him. Um, Matt Landers made a lot of plays in fall camp. He caught, I believe, 75-yard and 60-yard touchdowns from KJ in one of their scrimmages, and it's been hard to cover. He's 6'5", he's rangy, um, he can run, and he's turned a lot of heads, and we might have just found a gem in Matt Landers. 
<clears throat> to round out this group, we got Warren Thompson. Everyone knows him from last year. Um, actually came to the team last year as a walk-on he, from Florida State. He was with Kendall Browse at Florida State, but he's going to be or probably um, you know, one of the more vocal leaders, even though Hazel was kind of taking on that role. I mean, Warren was in the locker room last year, saw all the good things Traylon did, and he was able to contribute some last year. Um, <clears throat> Browse has said that Warren's had one of the most consistent camps out of any receiver. He's seeing things. He's talking about it. If he misses a route or a play that he knows he should have had, He's beating himself up about it, but he's moving on. He's learning a lot. Um, and last year, he might not have even known that he screwed up on a play. And, you know, just to add to the great size and athletic ability this crew has, I mean, Warren Thompson, 6'3", he's got great footwork, can get open. He's rangy, has a very long catch radius. <clears throat> and, you know, I believe this trio of wide receivers, this veteran group, uh, they can really, really help KJ out in a lot of ways and really help our, help the dynamic um, of our offense and there's a lot of young cats that are behind these guys like four-star Isaiah Satania, Quincy McAdoo, Keetron Jackson and they're all going to learn from these guys and that'll only make them that much better and Jaden Wilson, Bryce Stevens and heck even Malik Hornsby with that being said um, and even Sam and Baki. Arkansas didn't have to rebuild at wide, at wide receiver we reloaded for being completely honest we're not so one-dimensional getting trail on the ball all the time even though Traylon was great. I mean, we haven't had a guy run away from Alabama defensive backs in I don't know how long. KJ's going to spread the ball around, spread the ball around a lot this season. I can't wait to see it. Um, the next X factor determinant determinant is going to be Luke Jones. Um, some of you might not know Luke Jones. He's a Notre Dame transfer. Um, he actually is from Little Rock, Arkansas. He went to Pulaski Academy, played under Coach Kelly there. Um, but this offensive line group has a combined 95 starts. They have more starts in the SEC than the offensive line coach does games coached in the SEC, which is absolutely wild. We only we only lose one starter from last season. That one starter just happened to play the toughest position of the offensive line, which is left tackle. Um, and this offensive line was responsible for helping – our offense be, I believe, the number one power five rushing offense. And I don't see any signs of that slowing down. However, Luke Luke Jones has had a tough I would say tough, but he's had uh he's been in a long, long battle at for left tackle with Tyke Crawford, who Tyke Crawford could step up at any point and play a different O line position this year, but Luke Jones locked it down at at left tackle and you gotta commend him for it. Um as a matter of fact, because Luke Jones played so well at left tackle, Crawford now works in at right tackle and right guard, which is, you know, also great for Crawford being able to play numerous positions. Even though Jones is now stepping into a starting role, um, he's played in all 23 games over the past two seasons. Um, he hasn't started, but he's played a lot, which is good. So he's not jumping in this role for the first time uh, in his career. KJ is giving giving this group a lot of praise, saying, quotes, I don't worry about those guys up front. He's been here. He's got great work. That front five been together so long, and, I mean, they all just bond together, uh, end quote. I mean, I agree with KJ. I'm not really too worried about uh, this group at all. You know, the only reason why Luke Jones is on this list is because you know, he's, the, uh, he's the first guy on that offensive line that hasn't started as much as they have. Um Luke just adds more experience to the most experienced group on this team. And as long as he can stay healthy, I don't think KJ is going to have a problem about getting a hit from his backside. Um, now moving on to our fifth and final determinant, Hudson Clark. Hud Island, baby. I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, but there's a position battle for the starting quarterback spot in practice, but Hud's not a part of it. Dwight McLaughlin, Ladarius Bishop and Malik Chavis are all competing for the other starting spot next to Clark. Um, Hudson's had a lot of had a lot of success in camp. He, I mean, many thought the addition of Dwight McLaughlin, who started at cornerback at LSU last season, would you know kick Clark to the curb. However, it only seemed to elevate his game. Um, Clark has led our secondary with four picks during fall camp, and even picked off KJ Jefferson. And the first day of fall camp, 
I mean, let's be honest. We run a we run a lot of defensive backs out there, a lot of corners, and d- kind of depends on what scheme we're playing or the matchup. There's going to be different starters throughout the season, you know, due, due to you know different matchups and such. But Clark's going to see a lot of his snaps in probably zone, a lot of zone looks, and definitely a lot of cover three looks when we drop three deep. Um, I don't know how much man to man he'll be running, but you know, if he runs man to man, does pretty well. Then heck, that's even better for us. Um, I mean, for all we know, he could have recorded all four of his interceptions of man coverage. But you know, most Hawk fans aren't going to like that Hudson's still starting. And to be frankly honest with you, I'm not. But he's still proven himself. I trust the coaching staff. If he's out there balling out, then you know they're going to play him. Can't not play him if he's doing well. Um, he also brings three years of SEC experience to the table. And whether you like it or not, 17's our top cornerback right now. If Hug can limit penalties and not give up these big plays, I mean, he's just going to further the potential of this defense. All right, well, that wraps up the very first episode of Views from the Hill. I really appreciate you guys for listening along. And, you know, much like everyone else, I'm ca- I'm counting down the days until September 3rd. Uh, I can't wait. It's almost like Christmas as a kid. Um but for all you sports gamblers out there, you know, college football season is here. Week zero is this past Saturday, and week one is upon us in just a few short days. And if you're looking uh, for any guidance on who to throw some dough on for the upcoming weekend's matchups, look no further than at SEC Betting on Twitter and TikTok for all your sports betting plays. That's who I use. They were, they did really well for me last week, and it will probably do good for you in the future. Um, in the next episode, we'll be taking a much deeper dive into the Cincinnati matchup. And, you know, different ways Arkansas could win, you know, any um, any any areas of concern Hawk fans should be looking for and just more things like that. I'm excited to share with you all in the next episode. Um, I'd really like for you all to go follow me on Twitter at Views on the Hill for more news and updates on the Razorbacks and any suggestions you all have. You know, tweet me with any questions and um, I'll be more than happy to reply and even any content suggestions, I'd be more than happy to reply and. Um, once again, thank you guys for tuning in. I can't wait to see y'all again.